Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. So last week we concluded our purpose series and, and Norm and Dean were up and we were talking about evangelism. And uh, today we're going we're gonna to move on to some new things. And uh, I just I want to remind you all, next week will be Father's Day and we do have our capital campaign with, with the Ab offering. So you should be praying and asking the Holy Spirit for your part in that. Amen. And uh, anyway, it's my privilege to introduce to you today our, our speaker, who's, who's going to come in. And uh, this is a man who is a, I'm going to say this, you're a like-minded individual who's a carrier of the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's a, that's a, that's, that's a, nice. That's, that's, that's a good way to say that again. Yeah. <laughs> like-minded individual who's a carrier of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Anyhow, um, please welcome with me uh, Dr. David Chotka. So do you do this here? I like to say God is good, and then you say all the time. Do you do that? God is good. All the time. time. It's good to be here. And I want, RJ, thank you for the invitation to come and share in your church. And uh, what a delight to be here. I was here actually last week because I wanted to check you guys out, you know, and I was here like three weeks before that. I I did, yeah. And I did 9 o'clock one week, and I did the 11 o'clock the other week. And guess what? You sound and act the same in both, you know. (laughs) So I want to talk to you today about uh, this amazing thing called Prayer for Healing. I've written a book called Healing Prayer is God's Idea, and it's actually on sale in the lobby. And I've written another one out there called, Hey, Are You There? It's Me, God, How to Listen, Test, and Know When God Speaks. And this text is really about these two realities, knowing when the Lord is speaking and discovering that the Holy Spirit's presence and power has landed on you so you can participate actively in a, in a gift of healing. And uh, I don't know if you know this, uh, in the New Testament, the only gift that's described in the plural is gifts of healing. And here's my understanding of how those gifts work. The one who is interceding or the group who is interceding receives the gift as the anointing lands on them. And the person who is receiving the healing receives the gift and they share the gift together. It's gifts of healing. Look in 1 Corinthians 12, it's said three times. Each time that it's used, it's described in the plural because it's intended to be a gift that creates unity. And what's more powerful, what's more amazing than when the Lord moves in the church and grants a gift of healing? So, yes. Now, uh, you read the scripture for me, so I don't need to do that. So (laughs) the title for my message is Healing by Decree Becomes Healing by Degree. Because this king was telling another king that they should heal his general in the army, and it was this crazy kind of pretext for war. But I want to start by asking God to bless thee and anoint the message. So, Lord God, I pray that your Holy Spirit's presence and power would just flow down, that this whole congregation would sense the presence and power of the Holy Spirit moving inside of them, that we would be aware suddenly of what it is that God is doing within each of us and inside the framework of those we know and love. And I would ask that as this presentation of your word is made to this congregation, Words of eternal life would enter into and seize and take hold of and saturate each person's heart, soul, mind, and body. Let it be so. 
in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So the account of Naaman the Syrian and I are old friends. I'll just tell you, it's, it's, um, it's actually combines this whole idea of hearing God's voice and the need to repent and humiliation and humility together with this thing called gifts of healing. It's a, it's a marvelous combo. So Naaman hears the voice. And the first time he hears about God's power to heal was actually a very strange kind of thing. It's a slave girl. He hears about God's power to heal from a slave girl that he had captured inside an army battle. Now, I don't know if you know much about Middle Eastern theology, but if your nation defeated another nation, it was understood that your God was more powerful than their God. You got that? It's like, you know, it's like kids saying, my dad's better than your dad, that kind of thing. But it was nations, and they would actually say this, my God is more powerful than your God because my, we, were, we won the battle, and this is why they would take the, the, the gods or the goddesses of the pagan nations and put them inside their own temples to, because they were declaring that their God had won. And so here's Naaman the Syrian, a great big army commander with tremendous strength and power. He has leprosy. Now he can't stand as far as I am from you in this front row. He can't even get that close. And he's saying that the, and this little girl who he's taken captive, whose God, in his mind, conquered their God. That little girl is saying, my God's bigger than your God. And only if you went to Israel, oh, wow, you'd find out. This, you got to know, it's, it would have been a very, very strange thing for him to hear. But, I mean, he's, he's got leprosy. And he's, he's sick. He's ill. He, he can't. Now, you know, did you get fed up with COVID? Yeah. Okay, so, now. You know, we couldn't go next to our loved ones and hug them, right? All right. And you know how bad that was, even for months or years. Can you imagine that for the remainder of your days? Naaman had leprosy. Now, he had loved and he had walked with people and he had put his arm around people and he had been in the courts of the kings. He had strength. He had power and mobility. He had influence. He could walk right up to somebody and hug them, or he could walk up to somebody and take their head off because he had that kind of power. And he was unable to come even this close to anybody because he has leprosy. Now, I've enjoyed this account because it has a lot of marvelous elements. It's almost like a Marvel movie with all those bad guys and good guys, okay? This is, you know, it's got the warrior swagger. It's got war and peace. It's got the gentle care of a slave girl who shouldn't care about the guy who captured her in the first place and this strange kind of thing. It's got disease and sickness and it's got healing. It's got forgiveness. It's got struggle. It's got a leader in trouble who finds where he actually belongs. And it's got the conversion process of Naaman the Syrian from somebody who is a pagan to somebody who worships the God of Israel. All of that together in this account. And actually, it's not just a healing story about a body mended. It's more than that. This is more than the heart. Of, it's, it's the heart of the leader being changed forever because God has an agenda. His agenda is not just to heal your physical body. His agenda is to heal every single part of who you are. Amen. And it has this agenda with Naaman the Syrian. He wants to see Naaman uh, uh, come into fullness of healing. So <laughs> the trouble was Naaman had a weird view of God. Now, let me just ask you clearly, and don't lie to me because it's church, see? Have, <laughs> have you ever told Jesus Christ what to do? in a prayer meeting. <laughs> Naaman believed he could tell God what to do. But God is not a God who can be manipulated into anything. Amen. He's not that. He must be obeyed. Even, uh, I, my screen up there? Yeah, I want my, my screen up there about this. I think it's screen seven. Got screen seven? 
Let's see. That's it. That's what I wanted. Okay. He's not a God who can be manipulated anything. He has to be obeyed even in the smallest details. And healing prayer includes not just us asking God to do something, but us hearing the voice of the Spirit while we are in the healing moment. And the voice is filled, by the way, God's voice is always filled with compassion. Now, I just say this to you, God can and does heal physical bodies. I was healed of Ramsey-Hunt syndrome. You're hearing about it now because Justin Bieber has it, his face is paralyzed. Actually, I'm, I'm asking the Lord if I can pray with him. I've never met him, but I have this profound sense in my soul that I, I, but I, I was physically, it's, it's medically impossible to be healed of Ramsey Hunt. And the reason why it's in the news is because Justin might not be able to sing again. I don't know if you know that. It's where a shingles infection goes inside your ear canal. It causes your nerve to expand out. It, it attaches to the myelin sheath and everything on your face paralyzes on one side. And that happened to me and Jesus healed me and all God's people said, okay, he, and he can, he does this. But I'll have to tell you something. <laughs> He doesn't send healing for a price. No. What he wants to do is to heal us so that we can be whole. And if healing us makes us unwell spiritually, he's going to fix the inside before he fixes the outside. That's what he's going to do. So now, by the way, Naaman had it all. And then Naaman lost it all. Sickness caught him in the prime of life, even though he was continuing to know some of past blessings because of his prior reputation. He had considerably less that he could do because the disease made it impossible for him to do anything at all. And even though he couldn't be seen by the people up close, because of his reputation, because of what he'd done, he remained inside the framework of advising the king. What did he do? Sit over here and the king sat over there while he yelled? It's the craziest thing. He had to talk to him from a distance. But because of what he had done, he was still in the highest councils of the land. I don't know, what did he get, a megaphone? I guess they didn't have any of those in the paper cup that he, no, no paper back then. So I don't know what he did, but the man was rolling in cash. He was rolling in influence with prestige. And from this account, it becomes clear that the man was not used to doing anything other than having his own way. And if he didn't get his own way, you're dead. That's the way he lived. Now, Naaman was ill. He wanted to be well, and he had heard that the God of his enemy could heal his body. Now, he'd killed Israelite warriors, and he heard that the God of the people that he had killed could make him well. Are you catching the irony in this passage? This is, this is so, so, so he, he's got nothing to lose. So he reorganizes his life to find someone who knew this God to find his healing. So let me be with a clear declaration. So let, I just want to say this. Sickness, let's go to the next screen. Sickness is not a gift of God. It's not a gift from God. Jesus always resisted disease. Everybody who came to Jesus received their healing. There are some who had what I call process healings. In one account, Jesus prays twice. A man which saw his trees walking, he prays two times. In one account, lepers who were still leprous were to walk themselves to the doctors of the day. And as they were walking, they became well. There are different approaches to prayer for healing, but Jesus always fought disease. In fact, there's no place in the New Testament in which a disease is called a cross to bear. Not one place. Not one place. Even when Paul was afflicted. And we don't know what the thorn in the flesh was. You'll find the story in 2 Corinthians 12. Um, whatever it was, he does not say, God made me sick. Or God may be a cross to bear. 
he said, this messenger of Satan was sent to buffet me, to keep me humble. Now, how does that mystery work? There are so many books and commentaries on that one. We'll not get through it today. So I'm not going to touch that one. <laughs> but disease and death are named as enemies in the New Testament. Jesus spent his ministry healing sickness, curing leprosy. And this is what Jesus trained his disciples to do when he gathered the apostolic band. When he sends them out, he says this, as you, as you go, preach, say this, the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he characterizes the kingdom by describing it in several ways. Number one, heal the sick. Number two, raise the dead. Number three, cleanse the lepers. Number four, cast out demons. Freely you received, freely give. That's what Jesus taught the apostolic band to do. Now that's different from the seminary course I took. Anyway, the final picture of the church at the end of time is of a church becoming God's bride. That's a beautiful picture. Now, I, I, I've, I've been in the ministry for a long time. If I told you how long, you wouldn't believe me. Anyway, I'll just, I'll just say this. I have seen a lot of weddings. I have never seen an ugly bride. Amen. Never once. Even the plainest girl dresses to the nines to walk down that aisle. And the church is pictured as a bride made ready for her husband. It's a beautiful picture, right? And it says, all death, all sin, all pain, all lying, all sorrow, all sickness, it's gone forever and it's never coming back and the former things are done away. That is God's ultimate will. That is God's ultimate will. So like Naaman, we want to come to Christ to hear of God's good will to heal and find relief. And oh, if you're sick, you know. You don't wanna be. Now healing comes at many levels. The reason this account means so much is that the warrior finds that God doesn't work the way he hoped. <laughs> he doesn't work the way he thought he was gonna work at all. He, he just works completely different. He discovered that he must praise God as God and not as some deed that he could manipulate at whim with cash and prestige. And when God heals, he heals the soul within as well as the physical body without. Now, let me talk to you about this guy. So I don't know if you ever noticed this. I was trying to figure out if I could tease Pastor RJ. So I wanted to take the characters I've named and then put his head on top of this so that you could see it. But listen, this, this, this guy was full of pride. And most would say, of course, he was the best warrior in the strongest army of the day. He walked in the company of kings, even as a leper. And he actually managed to procure a letter from his king, procure a letter demanding that the king of the enemy nation up the street heal him of his leprosy. Can you imagine me going up to Justin Trudeau and saying, I want a letter to Joe Biden? I don't, I don't think it would happen. It's just, it's, you know, it's just, uh, <laughs> oh, by the way, make sure he, that, you, that Biden can cure me whatever it is I'm afflicted. No, you're not gonna do that. Anyway, this guy is the combination of Captain America and Avengers Endgame who holds off Thanos until the, the resurrected troops arrived, genetically melded together with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. And I wanted to put those two together and put Pastor Archie's head there. Okay. But I, I couldn't do all the things that would make that happen. Anyway, the guy was strong. He was intelligent. He was wealthy. He was extremely well-connected and he was coated in privilege. He was on the inside track on matters of state. The king consulted him about the things that he was to do, which, what was the direction of the country? This, this man had everything, far beyond. Have you ever had a, did you ever wanna win the lottery? 
Magnify that by 600. This guy's wealth was like that. This guy's wealth. I don't know if you know about the Middle Eastern economy. You've heard of the parable of the talents. One was given one, one was given two, one was given five. And we always use that to talk about, well, you better do what you got. You better use what you got or you're going to lose what you got. I've heard that sermon, I don't know how many times. Do you know how, what the gross domestic product of Israel was in the day of Jesus? 11 talents. And so the guy who got one talent got one-tenth the amount of the economy. Are you, are, you, are you listening to me? And so that parable about the talents is about wealth beyond the dreams of almost anybody, including Bill Gates. It's just this amazing kind of money. And this guy had that kind of money. So suddenly he has everything. He's the well-armed muscle commander combined with the secretary of state and the principal advisor to the king. And then he gets leprosy and it's all gone, just like you got COVID and couldn't hug your loved one. Only it wasn't two years, it was the rest of his life. Everything. Couldn't hug his wife, couldn't play with his kids, couldn't even pat the dog. I mean, we're talking about everything lost. It wasn't his fault. Imagine spending a lifetime building and working and training when no one was watching so that the measure of your skill could, by dint of practice, trial, and error, be seen by all, and then you succeed in public in a flash. It's gone, and it's over, and that's the name in this area. Maybe it's you, too. Maybe something's happened in your life, and you don't know why this thing happened. And everything that you've built up with your university education and your networking with friends and the labor of years and the cleaning the place when nobody's looking and all those exercises that you do at night to go to night school and so on, it's gone for some reason. Now, let me just tell you about what happened to him. Leprosy is an awful affliction. It was a condition that made it impossible for him to tell if something was blazing hot or freezing cold. He would damage himself without even knowing he was doing it. In fact, the leprosy wasn't the issue. It was the skin damage that would happen whenever you'd touch something. So if something was really hot and he put his hand around it, he wouldn't notice his hand was burning off until he tried to take the cup out of his hand and saw his skin come off. That's what leprosy was. Actually, pain can be a friend. Pain can be a friend. When pain warns you, pain can be a friend. And he didn't have any pain. It was utterly demoralized. Everything he had worked for and achieved by the end of his own labor was smashed, rendered null and void. He had it all. He lost it. Has something like this happened to you? Well, if it has, there's a delightful twist to the story. I, I, my first church, there was a lady there who'd been through all kinds of trouble, all kinds of trouble. Her name was Iris. And whenever I talked to Iris, she would giggle and laugh. I'd say, Iris, you've been through this and you've been through this and you've been through this. You've been through all kinds of terrific trouble. Why are you always laughing? And she laughed and she said, because my Jesus is sneaky. He'll surprise me. <laughs> That's what she said. Anyway. And so I just want to tell you this. Are you in a mess? Jesus is sneaky and he wants to pull a hidden surprise to get you fixed. Have you got that? Yeah. That's it. That's a good word. He does. He does. He's got me. He's got you. He's got everybody else. And all God's people said. Anyway, <laughs> Naaman hears something from the slave girl. Now, is this on the screen? Naaman heard, yeah. Yeah, next text. 
Naaman heard that the God of his avowed and detested enemy could heal him through the ministry of a prophet living in enemy territory. Now, process this. This would be Hitler's army commander hearing that Churchill's Anglican priest had a gift of healing. And oh, Hitler, would you please write a letter to Winston Churchill asking for the Anglican priest to pray for the healing of the general who kills British. Now, let's put this in modern perspective. This is, this is Putin and one of his generals sending a letter to Zelensky. It doesn't happen. No, but that's exactly what happened in this passage. And it's astonishing. So Naaman does this crazy thing. He gets a letter from a king demanding a healing from the other king up the street. And he gets the... So... <laughs> And, you know, the subtext is this. The king gets the letter, and he knows immediately what's going on. He said, the subtext is war. If I don't heal his general, and nobody can heal his general, and this is a pretext for war, there's going to be lots of dead people in my country and in his army, et cetera, et cetera. This is going to be a, a war. And the Hebrew king, actually, one of the few times where a northern kingdom Hebrew king actually gets it right. It's not very often they got it right. This Hebrew king wasn't looking for trouble. He was understandably upset. He cries out to God for help, thinking the foreign king in the letter were a pretext to getting his people killed and captured and all kinds of horrible things. <laughs> and he, te he tears his robe. And Elisha the prophet hears that the king actually did something right. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever the government does something right, I'm astonished. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter what party, doesn't matter what leader, doesn't matter where, how old they are, how, doesn't matter if they're man or woman. If they do something right, I'm amazed. Anyway, the, Elisha hears the king tore his robe in the presence of God, crying out and saying, my God, I'm not God. I can't do this kind of thing. And Elisha goes to see him and tells the king that he needs to have this man who's a leper come to his house. So Naaman shows up. Now, I don't know if you have, man, oh, what the guy needed was a drum roll of flourish and flags and capes and the red carpet. I mean, this, listen to how he shows up. He shows up big time. He shows up with, now it didn't show up in the translation that you used in the reading, but, I, but this one, 10 talents of silver. The gross domestic product of all of Israel was, 10, was 11 talents. He's got 10 talents of silver? That's a king's ransom. Okay, 6,000 shekels of gold, 10 sets of clothing, and most people had one, and if they were wealthy, they had two. If they were extremely rich, they had three. He brings 10 on a holiday cruise to the next country. All right, he has horses. He has burden-bearing mules and camels. He has chariots. And oh, by the way, the only people who had chariots were kings and generals who had the use of those. He has a retinue of armed soldiers. He has servants and warriors traveling en route with him. And I wonder how they traveled, because he had leprosy. They must, must have surrounded him in a great big, huge caravan, distanced out whatever the requirement was for him not to spread the leprosy. They all, and they all traveled together, and he shows up. <laughs> this is funny. This is not exactly a low-level delegation. Naaman shows up for the big event, you know, Land of hope and glory, you know, that kind of thing. And they're looking for, he's looking for the trumpets and he's looking for the drum rolls and he's looking for the red carpet. And what does Elisha give him in return? A serving boy with a memo and a sticky note telling him to take a bath in a dirty river. <laughs> Can you imagine Justin Trudeau going to visit the new chancellor of Germany, Schultz? 
because he heard there was a medical cure in Germany for a catastrophic illness that he discovered he had. The cure is only found in that country, it's experimental, so he travels at great expense in the hope of a cure, and he goes to see the chancellor, and he gets a smelly lackey with a note telling him to jump off the pier and take a bath in the Danube. Can you, I just can't admit. You can see why there's no hair, I keep going like this, anyway. Magnify this by 10,000 because you have a man who could create a war, who's a friend with the king, talking to somebody who's the prophet of the king. And this is what it says. Naaman went away furious. In fact, if that were me, I would be furious. If that were you, would you be furious? Give me the answer. He go, and he said, I thought he would surely come out over me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. He wanted Benny Hinn and Queen Elizabeth in combination, okay? He wanted a charismatic faith healer to come out and wave his hands around, shouting, heal, fire, and God save the queen. Anyway, he wanted to vibrate at the altar. He wanted to experience holy laughter, fall down, be overwhelmed by the power of the spirit, feel a jolt of power, and so be healed by the God of Israel before all of his retinue and servants. That's what he wanted. That's not what he got. <laughs> so, you know, and you know what he do? He brought cash. He brought clothes. And he brought clout. <laughs> what does he get? Humiliation. In front of his peers. In front of his army. In front of his retinue. He, he, he wasn't just humiliated. You know, it's one thing. I don't know if you ever felt bad because you were an idiot. Anybody ever done that? Ever been a bit? Just once, right? Just once? <laughs> you felt bad because you were an idiot. If it's by myself, I'm okay. I can get over it. But if I've been an idiot in front of a crowd, or if what I thought I had was reduced to nothing in front of a crowd, feels very, very different. Huh? Anyway. So he was humiliated in front of the army. So here's the clear application. If you wanna walk with Jesus, you'll always have a choice. In fact, James says it this way. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. He'll lift you up. Also says this, God is opposed to the proud. Gives grace to the humble. That's what's going on in this passage a couple of thousand years earlier. And here's the point. Naaman has this terrible sense of disorientation, a lack of clear focus. What he thought he deserved and what God wanted him to do were two very different things. Now, here's the point of the material. When God sets about healing us, he doesn't just heal our bodies, he heals our souls too. That's what he does. And the order is always the soul before the body. Okay? To be healed is, in, is to be in right relationship with God. So I don't know if you know this, the word for savior, save, sozo, it's the same word that's used for heal, sozo. So when you get saved, you get healed. Amen. When you get healed, you get saved. And Jesus being the savior means Jesus is the healer. It's the same word. Wow. It's the same word. Now, God is primarily occupied with our hearts and souls and minds to be healthy just as much as he's concerned that our bodies be well. Physical bodies die. You know, I've prayed for healing and I've seen miraculous healing. I've seen lots of it. My wife was healed of muscular dystrophy. My son was healed of muscular dystrophy. I was healed of Ramsey-Hunt syndrome. My daughter was healed of a cracked kneecap where she was told she'd never walk again. I mean, I've seen miraculous, that's just my family. 
seen miraculous signs and wonders all the time. And, and <laughs> I have to say this to you. There's times when he says no. And you don't understand the no. God does. God does. To be healed is to be brought in right relationship with him. So Naaman, he was given a greater healing than he or the king ever dreamt of having. Naaman would have to get his soul made well first, then he passes through a process of learning humility. Then God could heal his body in a journey of learning that would take seven dips in a muddy river. Seven dips in a muddy river. It was that deep and muddy. And he says, aren't the rivers in Damascus better? Yes, they were. Much better. But that wasn't God's agenda. You get the muddy one that's warm right here. That's what you get. So what does Naaman do? He whines. You ever have God tell you something, do something, and you don't like it, so you whine? I do. <laughs> God, I don't want to do that. I want to forgive the jerk. Forgive the jerk. I want to forgive the jerk. Well, he's not really a jerk. You were. Oh, God, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. <laughs> He wise, indicates his country's resources were better than Israel's, and they were. The army was bigger, the land was nicer, the temperature was better, soil is good, rivers are deeper, cooler. Oh yeah, he's, he's right, he's, he's absolutely right. He's, so he's, he's whining using truth to whine. It's not the point. His servants walk up to him and said, look, if he told you to kill a lion with your bare hands, you'd have done it. So what's wrong with taking a bath in the river? I don't like that river. <laughs> you wouldn't like the lion either. <laughs> so he reluctantly agrees to this thing and he goes down to the water. Now, the application is very clear. Humility or humiliation. Take your pick. Take your pick. Hmm. Some godly friend. Now, the appeal of this story is he did have good friends. They come, his servants come alongside him. I don't know if they're 15 feet away or if they dared to walk up to him. They said, look, if, he, if the prophet had asked you to do something big, wouldn't you have done it? And I think they spoke gently. And he gets to the place where he recognizes that he needs to do what the prophet said. So <laughs> he does this. Now, I don't know if you can picture this. I don't know if you've ever had a piece of attitude the size of a Mack truck inside your soul. Okay, and there were no Mack trucks, so let's picture a, a middle-sized boulder, okay? <laughs> so, so. He goes to the water, and of course, the servants have persuaded him, but I think it took seven dips to get him to the place where he'd accept the fact that God might be at work. So he goes, I oh, do this! He goes on first time. Nothing happens. And he says, nothing happens. Can't stand this dirty river. It's two. Nothing's happening. I got soap in my eye. That's three. What am I doing with my life? That's four. King of Syria is going to hear about it. I'll be the laughingstock. That's five. The whole court is going to laugh it. They're going to laugh. They're going to laugh behind my back. That's six. This will mean war between our two countries. That's seven. He went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. <laughs> and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. He was clean. The ultimate healing of Naaman the Syrian flowed through an act of obedience. The rest of the narrative, he actually had kind of a primitive view of God. He saw the God as the God of the land. 
And so he asks for soil from Israel so he can take it back and put the land in his worship place. So, but he becomes a convert to the God of Israel. And it's an amazing story. Now, when we obey the Lord in matters large and small, God heals our souls first. And should we need it, any, any other part of us that he thinks needs to be repaired. So actually, I do have time. I've been I've prayed with Pastor RJ about um, what story I should tell, but I'm, I'm going to tell the longer one. I've got some time here. Okay, so some years ago, I was serving at a church in the Metro Toronto area. It was in Brampton. And uh, the church began to grow, and I, I, I hired a worship pastor, and I wanted the worship pastor and I to be, uh, to be on, in sync in prayer, not just in sync in our function, but to be in sync in prayer. And so I said to him, we're going to pray a couple of mornings a week, and just to get us started, we're going to de- dedicate this chunk of time. We're going to seek the Lord. And we were at prayer. And as we started to pray, secretary walked in, passed us a note about somebody who was in the hospital and needed a visit. I said, oh, okay, that's fine. I shoved the note in my pocket, didn't think of it. And we worshiped the Lord and we praised and we, we honored him. And, and I'm, a, I'm a musician myself, so I, wrote, I played the piano and then he played the piano. We sang together, we worshiped God. And then oh, about two and a half, three hours in, I pulled the note out. And it said that Lorraine, one of the sweetest, kindest, gentlest people in the church was in the ICU and was dying and could we come over right away? I felt so bad because we had the note three hours earlier. And so we jumped in the car and we drove over to the hospital and we found the room and I, I have to tell you, this, my, my associate, his name was Rob, he, he had never done a pastoral call before, he was brand new to the ministry. And so I was trying to teach him stuff as we were going along and I said, now look, when you walk into the ICU, whatever you do, stay quiet, be gentle, be respectful of everybody in the room. And I walked in and I saw Lorraine. She had double pneumonia and they were just about to put a tube down her throat to give her a five to 10% chance to live for another day. Every blood vessel in her face had burst. She looked like a Concord grape. It was purple with the blood under her skin. And I was so sorry that I hadn't come earlier. So appalled that I had not even read the note before I stuffed it in my pocket that I felt like I had to overcompensate and I looked at her and suddenly the spirit of the living God landed on me and I told Rob to be quiet and I looked at her and the medical team and there were three nurses and two doctors and this person, technician putting in the tube in the family and at the top of my lungs I screamed and I said, in the name of Jesus, breathe! Amen. Just like that. Her right lung cleared. Just like that. Her right lung cleared. And then she inhaled. She said, I can breathe. And in front of the rest of the team, within a few hours, the left lung completely cleared out. And I came back the next day, and every blood vessel in her head had mended within one day, and her flesh was pink and ordinary, like an ordinary person. And so, of course, I I don't know if you've ever seen one of those. I'd never seen anything quite like it. And I was the guy who (laughs) ran into the room and said, said that. And I was in awe, my, my jaw dropped, the, the whole room was astonished, the doctors, the med, nurses, the med teams, the technicians, the family. And they released her from the ICU the next day. And oh yeah, it's a, it's a praise God. So, so she, now here's what they had done. They had called their, uh, their son, his name was also RJ, Robert John. And they called him RJ. And uh, he was trying to get to Ontario from British Columbia so he could see his mom before she died. And he was in the interior of BC and he couldn't get the right connections to work because the planes didn't line up and he was going to be a day late. And, and they had prayed 
that God would somehow find a way for him to get there. And so I show up at their home. She, go, she gets released from the ICU. Not in the ICU, but in the hospital in two days. She's at home. And I'm visiting them in the home, and I meet RJ, and he's a nice guy. And we're praying together and thanking God together and talking about what the Lord had done. RJ finishes his visit. He stayed 12 days. He went back to the BC interior to go back to work. She caught the flu, wound up back in the ICU, and she died. I said, what? What's this? God, why, why did she die? You healed her of double pneumonia, and you transformed the blood vessels in her head. Why, why did she die? Why? And I, I'll be honest with you. You know, when you're a pastor, I hope you're a tender-hearted guy if you're a pastor. If you go into the hospital and say, get up, that's not helpful. <laughs> it's just, it's just, my tender heart was broken. I felt so bad for Bob. He was a, actually, he was kind of a rough and tumble guy. He was a World War II and Korean War vet. Actually got the Purple Heart for being wounded in service. He was one of these guys who did his bit for gain country. And yeah, he was a good man. And his wife was a lovely lady. And they were in their senior years. And this is when I was a young guy. This is one of the first healing events that ever happened in my life. And so as I was brooding over this and asking the Lord what had happened, um, he called me up because he was in charge of visitation for seniors in the church. And he wanted me to assist him with the communion that day. And so I said, sure, I'll go with you. So I'm in the car and we're driving along. <laughs> we're driving in Toronto. So I don't know. There's a reason to move to Windsor. <laughs> anyway, we're driving along Toronto, all kinds of cars passing and cutting in and that kind of thing. And of course, he's kind of a salty tongue. He's a new convert. He's got a salty tongue. He has not yet repented of all the salt. And so much was savored, if I can say it that way. Anyway, this, so I was in this car and he says, well, Pastor David, are you praying for healing with people? And I, I said, Bob, I, I can't. Your wife, she died. And in the middle of Toronto traffic, he screams on the brakes and pulls off into a side road. And the next thing you know, salt is emerging from those lifts. And he said, what kind of a pastor are you? Not praying. What kind of a pastor's not going to pray for somebody sick? What, what, what's wrong with you, Pastor David? I said, Bob, Lorraine died. She died. He said, you don't know the story. I said, well, what's the story? He said, my wife and my son. Have been estranged for 10 years. They haven't talked to each other for 10 years. And every day, my wife and I would pray that God would reconcile my wife and my, and my son. And then she got double pneumonia and she was dying. And so just before you walked into the ICU, she looked at me and said, could you please pray that God would heal me long enough to be reconciled to my son, RJ? And I, of course, I walked into the room, and you know that part of the story. I yelled this thing. Her lung cleared. Her second lung cleared. She was released. Her son caught the planes he needed to. It took him two days, but he got from the BC interior to Toronto. He spent 12 days of his 14-day vacation with his mother. They became peace. He left, and she died. He said, what kind of a crazy bleep, bleep, bleep pastor are you? You're not going to pray for somebody who's sick to get better. Don't you know everybody's supposed to pray for people who are sick to get better? Don't you know that? I said, well, I, I, I understand. <laughs> he said, don't ever second guess Jesus of Nazareth, he said. He said, now, Pastor David, don't bleep bleep forget to pray for bleep bleep again. Bleep bleep. 
Now let's go give communion to those senior citizens. <laughs> I said, okay, Bob. <laughs> so what I want to say to you is, Jesus is the healer. And the way he heals is contingent on the thousands and thousands and thousands of details that are attached to the unique issues of your life that have melded together your life as it is. And he will manifest what he needs to manifest for you to become well because it's his desire that you do become well. But he'll do it in a way that always brings glory to his name. That's the first one. But the second thing is he'll always do it in a way that will heal the whole person and not just the exterior of the person. Because some people that I've prayed for who were healed have gone on to their reward. Their healing is temporary. And the ultimate healing is when Sozo, the savior, the healer, becomes the savior in glory. And you get to be with him at the end of time. That's the best of the conversation. Now, I don't know if you like naming the Syrian and you're rolling in cash and have enough to you know, get Justin Prude to, to give you a letter to Joe Biden. I don't know if you're going to do that. Maybe you don't want to do that. <laughs> but, I, but I do know this. Oh, my God is more than able. Our God is more than able. And I do sense, actually, I'm, RJ, come on up, RJ. We're going to talk about this. I, I do sense that it's right for us. I wonder if we need to do communion and healing together. I'm asking the Lord what the best way to do this is. So what's in your heart? Did Absolutely, you same thing. Do the same Can thing? Can you all stand with us? Yeah. Do we have oil handy? I didn't bring uh, oil Yes, with. we do. Okay. We need some oil, yeah? We have it. I just have to find All right. It. Yeah. There okay. should be a basket up here somewhere. We'll get it. Okay, that's good. So I want to pray and ask the, holy, the healing anointing to land. I do know this. God initiates and we respond. You got that? Say that with me. God initiates. We respond. Now, you can't control the anointing, but you can cooperate with it, okay? And so even Jesus had to wait for the anointing to land on him to exercise gifts of healing. You see that in the gospel tradition. He actually says, I can do nothing unless the Father shows me. That's what it says. And so I want to pray that the Lord will begin to move in this congregation in the areas that he wants to see made well. And oh, by the way, he, he doesn't just heal individuals. He heals families. He heals churches, he heals denominations, he heals nations, he heals whatever needs to be healed, because that's his name, that's his nature. So let me pray. So Jesus, your spirit is here. I know this. I can sense freedom in my spirit from the moment I stood in this pulpit. Freedom's here, and that means you're here. So in Jesus' name, we would pray that the anointing of your presence and power would land on those right now who need a touch from God whether that's an emotional wound, whether that's a soulish wound, whether that's a spiritual wound, whether that's a physical healing, whether it's a relational wound, whether there's damage that has been hard to bear in a family, whether this is cancer with one and no cancer with the other and survivor guilt, whatever the issue happens to be, you're the healer. And so we ask for your healing power to flow and anoint and lead in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, RJ, you know the culture, so you tell us how to do this, okay? So, as we're coming to the table today to celebrate the Lord's Supper, 
If you need a physical touch from God, if you need to be healed in your area of emotions, or maybe spiritually you're far from him, I'd like to invite you to come down to the altar. Come down to the front. Don't be shy. If you need a touch from God, one of those arenas, mind, body, spirit. And we're going to partake of communion, and then we believe in laying on of hands. We have some oil. We pray for the sick. If the elders could come forward with Larry and Jean are going to come up. Pastor Larry and Jean are going to come up. Yeah, we need more. Are there and other They're going to lay hands on you after we're completed with communion in a second. But Father, I thank you as we come to the table. In your brokenness, you made a way for us to be whole. Every stripe on your back was for us, for our healing. And Lord, you didn't want to just heal our bodies. You wanted to restore our souls to relationship with you. So right now, Lord, work as only you can work. We look to you, Jesus alone, the healer, in Jesus' name. The blood of Jesus is so powerful. Father, I thank you that we receive forgiveness and mercy at the foot of the cross. There was a great exchange, your life for ours, our sin, your punishment. You paid our debt. You restored us to yourself, reconciled to the Creator. Today, Lord, as you're releasing your presence and your power over this room, I thank you that you're doing a deep work inside of the hearts and souls and minds. We release those that have wronged us. We forgive those who have sinned against us. Let it go. And in turn, we receive your forgiveness and mercy, which always triumphs over judgment, as your word says. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, you take one, I'll take the other. Okay, let's do it. Here we go. So let's just take a minute. This prince is playing in Christ alone. And ministry team, go ahead and minister. Go ahead and lay hands. Release the healing power of Jesus right now. Hi. I know you would all in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I pray that your blessing would rest on this, your servant. Rest on her. Rest on her with healing and anointing and love and grace. Rest on her and make her well at whatever level it is. It's in moments like these that God starts restoring hearts, souls, mind. He heals the deep places in your heart that you didn't even know were wounded. It's your obedience and coming in faith, expecting to receive. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're directing and leading now.
So, I think there's a few more over here for the ministry team. You guys can just stay in that presence and keep ministering right now. If you're up here for prayer, stay until someone prays with you. You know, the Bible talks about those who minister the word are worthy of double honor. We want to make sure that we're a blessing to Dr. David and his ministry. So feel free to sow to the guest speaker on the app or sow an offering on your way out. Encourage you, sow some seed. Sometimes when we release it from our hand, that op activates faith in that direction. There is a, there's a book table at the back. He's got some great revelation on healing. Feel free to pick up the book. Stay until you're prayed for. I'm going to turn it to Larry and Jean now. Hallelujah. Windsor Christian Fellowship, you have been equipped. Go be the church. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Go be the church. Hallelujah. <laughs>